This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta, online at AudiAugusta.com. John Feinstein is a columnist for the Washington Post and a prolific author. Uh, John's latest book, Raise a Fist, Take a Knee, available wherever you get your books. It is a pleasure to welcome John Feinstein back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, John? John, I'm well. It's always good to talk to you. You too. And I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Do Uh you record for the audiobook versions of your book? And if so, how do you like that process? Uh, I do. Uh, And I've I've done almost all of them uh, since when I first started writing back in the 18th century when I did Season on the Brink. Uh, audiobooks were not prevalent. In fact, I, Season on the Brink became a number one bestseller and was initially done with me doing the reading uh, in, in an in abridged version. Now it's automatic as part of your contract that there will be an audio version of, of a book. And I have always almost insisted on doing the reading, partly because I kind of enjoy it. You do. Uh, but mostly because uh, I feel, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, I have a better sense of the characters and a better sense of what points I'm trying to make throughout the book than some actor uh, doing the reading. So I, I've always wanted to do it. it. It's a grind. It's work. You're usually in a studio for, depending on the length of the book, two, three, or four days. Um, but I, I do ultimately enjoy doing wow. it because I, I, I enjoy the, uh, the the result, the outcome. Okay. See, I would have thought, I mean... You bleed a book, and then it seems cruel and unusual to make you go into a studio and read the whole thing. Well, it's almost easy, though, at that oh, point, John, okay. because you've written it. Yeah. You, you've done the hard work. It's not, it's not that, you know, everybody's different. Maybe I'm a little narcissistic, but I enjoy reading my own work. Um, not for pleasure, but when I'm, you know, someone's paying me to do it. <laughs> and again, it really does get back to my thinking the audio version will be better if I read it. I remember oh, one time I yeah. had a contract dispute with a publisher over the audio version. And uh, uh, so I didn't do, do the read. And they, they tried to very much lowball me. Because doing the read is work. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do it for free. And they were really lowballing me. And uh, so I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And so they hired an actor. And uh, I got an email from the woman who had lowballed me saying, uh, so-and-so has a number of questions about the book. You know, how do you pronounce this name? And I said, I'm not helping you. <laughs> you know, and, and I didn't. And, and I never listened to, to, the, to the audio version of that book. But it, I don't think it was very good. <laughs> I love that they wanted to get the pronunciation. Can we ask you a couple of questions yeah. about this, John? Excuse me for coughing. Huh. Um, I was just curious. I, 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 it would seem to me like toiling in the vineyards to, to, to uh, and I do this for a living. But to stand in there for however long you got to do it. Um, yeah. No. Like I said, um, I, I, I've done it so many times now, and so I, I, I get the routine. I know how it works. I know what I have to do, um, and I, I really don't mind it. Right. Most, most takes on getting, truth, and I like the result. Most takes on getting a particular thing done. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. I, but I, what I remember was years ago, uh, I, I had something for lunch. <laughs> you and, can't eat, and it, ru- can't, it kept rumbling in my stomach. You can't eat, John. You got to do it on an empty stomach. No, you have to eat very light. Yes. You have to eat something because yeah. it's a long day. You're usually in the studio 
six, seven hours. So you got to eat something yeah. somewhere along the line. Something with, you, a, something you, with a lot of you, cheese. You don't eat spaghetti with meatballs. Something with a lot of cheese works well. Nah, I'm not a cheese guy. Oh, you get the so. you get the mucus built up in there. Oh, there's nothing better okay, than we're really into TMI here. <laughs> well, that's all I really wanted from you, John. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, as sure. always. Um, what are we going to remember about the 150th Open? Is it the <sighs> one Cameron Smith won, or the one Rory lost? Both. I I I mean, it's not fair. Uh, to not give Cameron Smith credit for what he did on Sunday. I mean, birdieing four straight holes on the back nine, shooting 64. Uh, he was remarkable. But uh, you know how I feel about Rory McIlroy, mm-hmm. and I'm not alone in that, mm-hmm. um, especially the last few months when he's really emerged as kind of the, the conscience of the sport uh, in the face of all of what's going on with LIV. I know there have been other guys who've come out, but Rory has been – more articulate on the subject and more outspoken from the beginning. But I, I've been a Rory McIlroy fan since he was 19 years old. And I, I don't want to claim that I'm close to him, but we're certainly friends. Uh, and, I, in fact, I had a long lunch with him uh, back in May. Uh, it was a working lunch for, for a couple hours because I'm working on this book on David Faraday, and obviously Rory and David are very close. And and it, it just it reminded me of why I like him so much. So the honest answer is nothing against Cam Smith, but I, would, I, I don't want to say brokenhearted. You don't say brokenhearted about the outcome of an athletic event, but I was very, very disappointed. And, and, you know, Rory, I mean, how many times in the history of the world does somebody start out four shots ahead of somebody, hit every green, and lose by two shots? I mean, that's got to be a first. Yeah. And 18 straight two putts, and that doesn't win major championships. And um, it, it, was, it, was, it was very difficult to watch going down the stretch because you got to a point, I can't tell you exactly when, but I got to a point where I said, he's just not going to make any putts, and, and he's not going to win. And it was, it was sad for me. We're talking with John Feinstein here on the Augusta Golf Show. You mentioned LIV. You mentioned David Faraday. You mentioned you're doing a book with David. Um, I know you were surprised by the announcement, yep. but as I said to you before we came on the air, we, you know, now a chapter's kind of written there for you, John. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it certainly the, the, the ending's going to be a lot different than I had thought, um, for sure. Uh, and it did catch me off guard. Uh, I've spent a lot of time with David in the last six months, seven months. Uh, I was with him at the U.S. Open in Boston for five straight days. Uh, never came up, and I, I suspect, although I, I, I've texted with him this week, but I have not spoken to him in person. I will see him next week uh, at the LIV event that he will be working. Um, but uh, I, I, I knew from the time I'd spent with him that he wasn't thrilled with his role at NBC. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that's the reason he left. The reason he left was money. And I'm sure his agent, Andy Elkin, had said to him, you can't say anything to anybody, because I'm told that no one at NBC even had a clue until this past weekend. And then it was only Tommy Roy, executive producer of NBC Golf, Mark Lazarus, um, who knew. None of the other guys on air knew. None of the people who David works with regularly knew. Um, and, and so it was a very well-kept secret. There's no question about that. Uh, and it did catch me off guard. Uh, but, I, but, 
if you watch NBC's telecasts, which I do, and I did, you know, I watch golf, whether I'm doing a book or not, um, David wasn't really David mm-hmm. the last couple of years. I mean, first, he was very disappointed when Golf Channel canceled his show right. in the midst of the pandemic and then didn't bring it back after the pandemic was over. Uh, there's a lot that goes into to that story. Uh, and I think he felt almost like a third wheel. Um, he's, he's in the tower at 15. Gary Koch, who's been there forever, was in the tower at 17. Obviously, Azinger and Hicks in the tower at 18. So basically, for David, the golf tournament was over when the players finished 15 on Saturday and Sunday. Hmm. And uh, I think he was, he just wasn't David. He wasn't the guy who became so beloved when he was working at CBS for his unique sense of humor. Uh, off the air, still has the unique sense of the humor, but on the air, I don't think we saw it as much. What? Did, we only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, I do want to. So apparently, his contract with NBC ended at the after the open. No, it did not. Oh. His, his his contract was it was through this year with renegotiation allowable on both sides at the start of 2023. Hmm. Um, and NBC basically, when David said he was going to leave. NBC said, okay, we're going to let you out right now. Oh, okay. So okay. instead of working the, 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 the three playoff events in August, he'll be working the LIV events for the rest of the year. What, what did you think of Tiger's comments on the LIV? Uh, you know, it, it, to me, everybody acted like, like Tiger was, was saying the things Rory said, and, and, and the sentiment was certainly the same. Um, but it was, to me, it was typical Tiger, very careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he said that he said the right things, um, and made it clear he wouldn't go to LIV. And you know, if I was a billionaire, neither would I. Um, but it, I wasn't surprised. He waited. He didn't make any comments right away. He waited until the setting was the British Open, or excuse me, the Open Championship. Um, I refuse to call it the Open, by the way. Apparently, that's just a marketing thing. <laughs> um, but uh, to me, it was typical Tiger. Is my answer. What made me smile was his comment about, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't get to practice. I mean, why you don't get to practice? That to me was so typically Tiger. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, like, like the guys are really. Uh, you, by dying. the way, you can practice anytime. Yeah, like the guys are really dying to practice, though. Yeah, and and there are now Tiger's always been a you know a Ben Hogan yep. uh, dig it out of the dirt guy. Yep, I mean to be fair. Um, but you're right. There are some guys who practice a lot more than others. Not everybody's VJ Singh. It, 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 it has the conversation, before I let you go, has the conversation, do you feel like the conversation has turned from where the money's coming from to just, oh my gosh, look at all these people going to the LIV tour? Well, I, I think, yes, the latter is more true now because the money spigot is clearly endless. And, and we knew that at the beginning. Uh, and the fact that the money is coming from the Saudis and that they're sports washing is always going to be there, but it's almost between commas now, John. Um, it, it's, it's a fact of life. Yes, the money comes from Saudi Arabia. Mickelson's quotes to Alan Chipnick were accurate, um, but it's, it's clearly not stopping very many people from taking the money. And Jay Monahan, I think believe that if he banned guys 
you know, for going to LIV, that would stop other people from following. And clearly it's not because the money is, is so big um, that, that they're going. I think, and, and it's clear that they're going to, that the majors aren't going to ban them. And that's, that's important, obviously, to, to star players. Uh, the, the only question still out there to me right now is the official world golf rankings, which the PGA Tour does control. Mm-hmm. And I think if necessary, LIV, the LIV will go to court to try to insist that the PGA Tour include their tournaments in world rankings. And that'll be interesting because there are certainly antitrust uh, issues that work against the tour, but the tour can also turn around and say, wait a minute, we've never made 54 whole events part of our world rankings. We've never made events with a shotgun start part of our rankings. And, you know, it could depend a lot on what kind of judge they get. He is John Feinstein. Again, the name of his latest book is Raise a Fist, Take a Knee, available wherever you get your books. I always appreci- And an audio. And, and the audio version with John Feinstein himself. Uh, I always appreciate the time. Thank you, John. My pleasure, John.